Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, the <laughs> podcast where we talk about The Nanny, a TV show from the 90s. I am Shanti Pasquale, joined, as always, by... Toria Sheffield. Okay, so we are talking about Season 4, Episode 23, You Bet Your Life. Why is it called You Bet Your Life and spelled B-E-T-T-E? Because it's the one starring Bette Midler. And if you asked me to sum up the episode any more than that, I kind of couldn't. Because, you know, it's like just about Bette Midler and she's great in it. Here was the... um. The episode description on IMDb, which I almost never look at or use, but it made me laugh at almost how random it is. So, okay, it's, Fran is involved with a charity auction hosted by Maxwell and Bette Midler. Fran takes a child prodigy to Yetta's nursing home, and the death of a resident so traumatizes the child that he swears he will never play piano again. <laughs> it's an episode where a bunch of stuff happens, and they get Bette Midler into a decent amount of scenes. Yes, well, we were talking about this earlier. It was really cute and, like, very breezy. It wasn't, like, you know, a heavy hitter in terms of, like, plot or character development. But it's, like, you know, you get a guest star like Bette Midler, and you probably have to relatively quickly be, like, how do we use her? So it totally makes sense that, you know, it's not going to be part of, like, a episode that's super important to the canon of the show, right? It's just going to be kind of a fun, like, candy episode, which it was. And well, I say that, and now I'm realizing I think Pamela Anderson returns as Heather Biblo soon. So, so who knows? I guess you can cast a big star as someone important. So, yeah, this episode it starts with the family, including Sylvia, uh, the Sheffield family, I should say, including Sylvia, having breakfast at the mansion. Yes, which and- we haven't had a breakfast table scene in a while, and I liked it, and I missed them, and I like I like this whole scene. I love I love when we open the show. I love when we open the show with Fran in a robe. Yes, it does like just kind of ground us um, in all of this. Yeah, you're right. We haven't had that, and it, I think every episode literally started out used to start out that way. Um, but yeah. so we established that Mr. Sheffield and Cece are planning this huge charity benefit for the New York Restoration Project, which is a real thing. And even though it seems like they're doing something great for the community, because there'll be all these wealthy donors. Their real motivation is they want to like hobnob and schmooze with super wealthy people um, who they can then like charm to fund their new show. And we find out like, you know, they're going to be sitting at a table with someone named Tom, who's one of the wealthiest men in New York. And they really want to like make sure the night goes well. It was weird, though, because the at first, Mr. Sheffield is like, this is going to be great and I'm going to look so charitable and like raise so much money. And then we find out that also he's like, I need money for my play. <laughs> like, so it's like <laughs> completely deflated. Like at first I was like, Oh, this is like, he's actually like doing just like a nice thing to like be like a nice guy. And then he was like, but secretly I just need to like woo this one guy to get him to give me $5 million or whatever for my play. Yeah, I mean, it attracts. I wasn't like, I wasn't like, Oh, out of character. <laughs> and then, Fran seems interested in attending, but Mr. Sheffield assures her that there, like, won't be anything of interest for her. You know, he goes, you know, there won't be – he goes, there'll be no single men, no shrimp, and no celebrities. (laughs) But then (laughs) Brighton goes, but wait, I thought that Ben Midler was going to be there. And then he realized he, like, definitely wasn't supposed to reveal that. And he goes, but I guess I also had an inheritance, which I'm pretty sure I don't have anymore. (laughs) So clearly Mr. Sheffield and Cece had been trying to keep this from Fran. And Fran is like, so she's like, what? 
And she's like, wait a second. Was Bette Midler in this house? And then she like gets this like look of realization and she goes, and wait, was she here the day that I miraculously found that ticket to Victor Victoria on the front stoop? <laughs> and <laughs> Mr. Sheffield like looks super guilty because uh, he clearly um, A, had uh, kept something from Fran, but also literally lured her away from the house by planting a ticket to a show and making her think that like it was just a lucky day for her. Um, and he's so guilty. And then he just goes, okay, okay, the auction's at eight, dress formal. And he like looks up and he goes, but I wasn't lying about the shrimp. <laughs> like, <laughs> like trying to make it just a little better, but like clearly he's so afraid of her. And she she looks fantastic at the auction dinner. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, because the, she looks the incredible in that scene. Yeah, she looks she looks really great. And I, I well, you're right, right. Before we go there though, Fran is like maybe I'll auction something off, and then she decides to auction off her services as a nanny. Yeah. So basically, like we're in Mr. Sheffield's office, and Fran kind of adorably comes in with this box of just like honestly like random crap from her childhood like lunch boxes and thermoses with like celebrities on it that she thinks would be valuable and she's like mr sheffield i'm i'm bringing some things in that i think you could you know maybe auction off at your charity benefit and then he's like um no offense miss fine but like we're not we're, we're auctioning things like you know audrey hepburn's oscar for thirty thousand dollars and she's like oh and then she goes hey wait a minute um, I think people might pay a lot for like a super responsible person uh, to watch their nanny for the day. And she's obviously meaning her. And at first, Mr. Sheffield, though, he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, wait, you mean you, don't you? <laughs> like, so like truly dismissing it. Um, and I really actually, mean. Very rude, yeah, honestly. It, like It was, but it wasn't. The thing is, it wasn't an insult. He truly was just thinking out loud. And then she's like, can't you at least pretend to hide your disappointment like you used to? And I actually thought this was very funny because then he realizes like that what he said was rude and he goes on this super rambling like uh ex- like speech of trying to get out He's of like, it. Like, uh, uh, it's a lot of that. Like, what, I, what I meant was I'm afraid, you know, you'll go and do such such a good job that someone will steal you away from me like he he literally doesn't know what the next word is going to be before he says it throughout like this whole string of words and i thought charles shaughnessy played that really fun like he he delivered it in a very funny way um but so then we one thing thing we i think we can say about all of the even the worst episodes of this show is like the main cast is always great like they they always do a great job. Like they're all like in sync. They always find like fun ways to deliver the dialogue. Like they're always great. It you know like even in 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 like the most disjointed of episodes, uh, they 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 shine. I think. Yeah, and I'm I was really feeling in this episode like oh wow like we're seeing a cast of people who are really getting comfortable in their characters. And then Mm -hmm. I think from that comfort comes the ability to like play a little more. And like, I don't think Charles Shaughnessy would have like delivered a line like that four years ago, but you can just tell like they're, they're comfortable Mm -hmm. in their skin and now they are just like get, they're having fun. It's almost like the the rest of the cast is now playing at the same level as Fran has always played. Because Fran has always been the most comfortable in that character. Like, you know, it, it doesn't seem too far removed from from her or at least, you know, 
a, a version of her. And, and so she's always felt like she's given herself the permission to just like do whatever and play. And, and everyone else now feels like they're in that same space where they're very comfortable with their characters. They know exactly who these people are and how they behave. And now they can have like do weird stuff and it's fun. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. It's, so we, then so then we get to, to the auction, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, as I was saying before, I thought Fran looked great here. Like her makeup, everything. I was like, holy mackerel. Sometimes this lady looks so beautiful. You're like, yeah, Geez. yeah. Like she has this, it's like a, sorry, she has like a, it's like a lilac crop top and matching pants and beautiful makeup. And, um, and, but so they're at this benefit and they're all at their table and they're listening to this little kid play the piano and everyone looks like super bored. And Fran says something like kind of rude. She's basically like, Ugh, we should all pop a Tic Tac because we're all about to sleep together. <laughs> and then <laughs> Cece and, and Maxwell like very pointedly are like, Miss Fine, that's Keith. And this is his father, Tom, who is yeah. the, the super, super wealthy Tom they're trying to schmooze. So, so Tom's little like, you know, eight-year-old is this piano player. Well, and Tom is played by Ed Begley Jr., who um very recognizable. He's He's been in a lot of TV shows and movies over the years. Um, oh, my God. It's Ed Begley Jr. How do you not? You got to know him. You yeah, got to know him. I would say he's not a household name, but a lot of people would be like, I've seen that guy in a million things. There's there's also a fun like little bit here that we don't have to like go too deep into, but I thought it was really cute that like ultimately it's revealed that Tom is – not really interested. He's basically pulling a producer's. Like he's not interested in investing in a play that's good. He wants to invest in Maxwell's play because he wants it to tank so he can use it as a tax write-off, which is literally yes. the plot of the producers. And it's not really like a focus of this at all. I mean, there's like another like tag up on that later where he's like, you know, make the second act less funny or whatever. But I just thought that was really funny that they put the 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 plot of the movie, the Purdue, you know, or the. Yes. Yes. Cause that also gets revealed in this seat. And that's what, um, and yeah, it's like in this beat basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and well, it's, there's a couple of things get revealed that his son plays the piano and that also Tom, he literally goes, he's going to be a concert pianist someday. So he's you know, very invested in his son's musical abilities. And then also, yes, he's like, you know, Maxwell, I, I read the play. It, it stinks. And like, I want to invest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very funny that Mr. Sheffield is all too willing to um, oh. work with him. He immediately Just- capitulates. He's immediately like, yes, you're right. It's garbage. And I hate myself. <laughs> like, whatever yes, it takes. Uh, it's so sad. But okay. So, but like that establishes the first part of the benefit, at which point yeah. Bette Midler takes the stage, the actual mm-hmm. legendary iconic Bette Midler as the MC. Younger younger listeners will know her as the the witch in Hocus Pocus two. Yes, yes, and um, you can tell the writers were just having so much fun with this. Um, they were giving her all these fun zingers and quips and you know um, saucy lines, and they're very much playing to her strength as someone who comes from like very much the New York Broadway community. And Bet goes to auction off the first item. And it turns out that it is a day with Fran, or or rather it is a day of Fran's services as a nanny. And first the bidding starts super low, but then Fran starts kind of dancing sexily and all of these men in the audience start auctioning her off. And I actually thought that this was going to be an episode that like leaned into that, that like, you know. So did I. Yeah. Like, because earlier, you know, Mr. Sheffield, when he's trying to like dig himself out of that hole, um, when he said like, 
you know, no one would want your services. And he lies yeah. and is like, I'm just afraid, some, afraid someone's going to steal you away from me. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, is that actually going to happen? And he's going to have to like, yeah. you know, but, you know, eat his words. But, but turns out. But I feel like didn't A, I feel like didn't that happen before on this show? And if it didn't, then I feel like maybe that's why they avoided it because it feels like we've seen that so many times before. You know, where like someone gets auctioned and then it's like a handsome guy and he's like, you know, I want you to look at my son, but also like have dinner with me, beautiful. And then Mr. Sheffield gets jealous. And then do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like yes. we've been was, down that road. It was, yeah. But I mean, I guess I wouldn't be opposed to seeing something like that if they go long enough without doing too much free on Mr. Sheffield's stuff. I'm like, okay, we can have yeah. an episode like that every now and then. But. So the bidding starts going crazy and then someone ends up bidding $5,000 and winning her. Mr. Sheffield has like clearly been like pretty like unhappy about all these men bidding on her and you can see it in his face and he's he's thinking what we are like, oh my God, is some, you know, man going to bid on her and like steal her from me. But then when we see who actually won her, it's it's that little piano playing boy, Tom's son, yes, <laughs> which is kind of gross because he's like an eight, eight year old boy with glasses, but uh, this little rich boy has won Fran for the day. Yes. Um, and they also didn't – they ultimately didn't lean into, like, some things that could have happened with, like, maybe him having a crush on her or anything like that. It's like this little kid truly just needed – wanted a nanny for the day, it seems. Yeah, but. he just liked her. She, she seemed cool. Uh, we yeah. also get a really funny moment where Niles – you hear from the audience someone scream, take it off, show some skin. And then yes. the camera whips around and it's Niles. And he's like, Mr. Sheffield looks at him very disapprovingly and he kind of shrugs and he's like, I was trying to like, you know, spice up the bedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very funny. Uh, uh, uh. So yeah, so, Ty so Tom's son ends up with the winning bid of $5,000 for Fran for a day. And then we also find out that CeCe bet on Niles and now has him as her butler for a day. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, which, which she does which just is, to torture him. Yeah. Which she does just to torture him. Um, but it gives us like a bunch of funny scenes with the two of them. And then, yes, then well, the episode takes a very weird turn. <laughs> well, basically, so like, yeah, we cut to the, you know, the next day or a few days later and it's the day that Fran is supposed to spend with this little piano player boy. And Mr. Sheffield like very strongly reiterates like, you know, don't do anything to upset the child because that will upset the father. And we don't want to do anything that could jeopardize our $5 million investment. Fran's wearing a very, very cute piano skirt, which I thought was adorable to go babysit this little piano boy. I thought it was cute. Yes, it was so cute. It was, she's was wearing like a black turtleneck and then... A, a skirt like a little bit of a flare skirt and the bottom of the skirt was a, a like a piano key pattern it was very yeah. cool it was very uh, cool yeah literally everything she owns like now would be people would go crazy so for it. cool yeah it's so mm -hmm. cool um, well anyway and, and then for, you know in true fran fashion uh instead of taking this boy to go do fun normal things she just you know um drags him to her daily like hair appointments and uh eyebrow waxing appointments and we actually find out she was getting his eyebrows waxed too <laughs> and then they they're ending their afternoon um at yetta's retirement home where fran has brought him to play the piano for the residents and so you know they literally uh are in like the events room with all of these elderly people in yetta and the boy starts playing you know moonlight sonata Wait, but first, this old man walks up to him and goes, 
he holds out his thumb to the little boy and he goes, can you tell I lost my thumb in the war? They replaced it with my big toe, <laughs> which is the <laughs> grossest, weirdest thing I ever heard. And I thought it was, it was hands down the best thing that happened in this episode. I laughed so hard at that. And then that pays off. So then the boy sits down and starts playing Moonlight Sonata and, and the same old man starts singing hello dolly behind him for some reason like he thinks it sounds like hello dolly which it it doesn't um <laughs> and then he dies like he gets like really into it and then the <laughs> old man like has a, like a like a heart attack or something and just falls forward and dies yes. and it's the weirdest <laughs> swerve for an episode and fran's like it's fine you know like keep playing and then and then yeah yeah grandma yeti comes over and she goes she's like she's like you know i want you to kill someone else because i want their corner room <laughs> you yes. know like, she's yeah. like play play towards that guy um yeah. and well the thing is it's like because all these old people are so senile they kind of were just hearing what they wanted to hear when he was playing this like very calm quiet song so they all start singing hello dolly and clapping along yeah. and getting very animated and exerting themselves and that's how this guy's heart basically exploded yep. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And yeah. so he's just a dead body on the floor. And yeah, and, and, and Fran's like, ignore it, honey. He's, a, he's just resting. Uh, yeah. But we then cut to later that same day at the mansion. And Fran and the boy are sitting at the piano and um, Yetta and Val are with them. And she cannot get this kid to I play the piano. this was so funny. Yeah, he's just like, this might have been my favorite scene in the whole episode because mm -hmm. of the, what happens with just like character lines. But the yeah, boy Val has some great stuff in this scene. Yeah, like the boy, um, he's refusing to play because he's so traumatized. And he says he officially never wants to play the piano ever again. And again, this is the boy where it's like, you know, his father's great dream for him is that he's going to be a concert pianist. And the, the, the best line is, so Val's there and she, she's like, goes to Fran. She's like, you know, Fran, I understand what he's going through. I watched my grandfather die when his breathing machine went out. And <laughs> she's like, I had brought my boom box to play him a tape from Glee Club. And I had just found a place to plug it in when it happened. <laughs> Meaning that <laughs> she clearly had unplugged his breathing machine to play him yes. Glee Club. And has still yeah. to this day never connected the dots that she killed him. And then on the heels of that, Yetta goes, Yetta goes, you know, Maybe if he, if you played at my retirement home, it would snap you out of it. And then she goes, oh, wait, never mind. They don't want piano players. 
some kid just killed a guy. <laughs> and she says it right in front of Keith, which is so yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, she clearly like has completely forgotten that it was this boy. That it was this little boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like and further compounding his like fear of ever playing the piano again, like and confirming yeah. his fear. Um, and we learned that Tom, of course, his dad is like furious about this. Well, because, yeah, that like, comes in the you know, that comes in the yeah. next scene. Because what happens is um Fran's like, oh my gosh, I just like really, really hope that Mr. Sheffield doesn't find out before we figure this out because, you know, this could get back to Tom. And right as she says that to Val, Mr. Sheffield yells her name across the house in a super angry way. And she's like, oh God, oh no. And she's thinking like, okay, I've been found out. Um, And she goes into his office and because she thinks he already knows about her like accidentally traumatizing Tom's son, uh, she kind of just like spills the beans before he says anything she's like I know I know but like don't worry I'm gonna get him to play the piano again and he's like what are you talking about he's like I had just called you in here because I wanted to know if you had stolen my white out again for your French tips <laughs> uh, and then but he of course becomes super livid when now he realizes that she may have jeopardized his entire show and 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 he's like oh my god and I just hope that you know this doesn't get back to Tom and then it would get back to Bette Midler and then it could ruin everything that like, he donated to the restoration fund. And Fran's like, oh, Mr. Sheffield, like even if he's mad at something I did, he wouldn't take it out on an entire charity organization. At which point she gets like a tap on the shoulder and we see that Bette Midler is standing right behind her and she <laughs> is looking angry as hell. And yeah. she's she goes, don't bet the kibbutz, Bubby. Or no, don't don't <laughs> bet the kibbutz on it, Bubby. Meaning yeah. that, like, oh no, he this Tom guy did in fact find out about this. Um yeah, could we and find he's out super that like the, Yeah, like we find out the son had called him at like some point earlier in the day, and he like literally is withdrawing all of the millions he donated to Bet Midler's charity because mm-hmm. he's which are like none of it makes sense sense but i guess maybe no, he's like fine. oh i the the thing that i won at your function ended up like ruining my child's life so that, that that's i think the logic is like you know this this woman that i bet at that my son bet on at your charity ruined his life and so now i'm punishing the charity yeah because you know I'm, i don't i I'm, don't know why not sue fran <laughs> you well, know like so, for like <laughs> well we haven't even kid. Yeah, we well, we haven't even seen Tom throughout all this. This is all like hearsay. But Batman there oh, yeah. is so angry that she ends up chasing Fran around the house. Through the and, whole house, it's great. Yes, it's like the super like French farce, like Benny Hill scene to music where she's chasing mm-hmm. Fran. Um, she's hitting her with her purse. Uh, Fran's running run one way, but Midler's running another way. Yetta randomly's running in and out, and then they run past um CC and Niles, and. Uh, Niles is in a full gown because while Cece is making him basically her servant for the day, she's been making him do all these demeaning tasks. And one of them is <laughs> serving as her like basically dummy while she hems her aunt's dress. Yeah, um, it's so good. And it's so like it's a like- big it's like a big puffy blue, like it's it's like a ridiculous looking gown. <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah. very funny. But it's like it's true to those like sort of Benny Hill montages where it's like you're just running by the craziest stuff. So yeah, she's you know, they've been running all around the house and then they finally stop. I was gonna say they finally stop because then they hear beautiful piano playing, but they actually stop because they see delicious looking macaroons on the counter on like the uh foyer table. So Fran and 
bet being uh the joke being that they are jewish ladies uh stop what they're doing to eat those delicious pastries <laughs> yes always but i would then uh, then they they hear this beautiful piano playing and they kind of both gasp and they look over and young keith who had literally just a few hours before sworn off piano playing forever is sitting next to gracie on the piano stool and playing her this like super romantic song um, and it's very clear it was like oh okay he just needed a little bit He's of back, uh, baby. young love. Yeah, young love. And they, you know, you know, they go over to the piano and Mr. Sheffield comes out and they're like, oh my goodness, like, how is this possible? And Gracie just stands up and she's like, I've learned a thing or two from someone around here. And she like flips her hair and walks away. And um, I was like, ooh, I, I don't know how much I love that <laughs> for Gracie. I was gonna say, as the show goes on, I I more and more can see why the actor uh, the actor is not super keen to revisit any of this, you well, know. And 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 I get like the feeling of like I was a prop on the show, you know, because it's just like that character never does anything, and then when she does, it's always just like a random gag, you know. Yeah. Well, I was like, oh, I think maybe I liked Gracie when she was a little more cerebral and less, um, mm-hmm. you know, using her feminine Y holes as a 11 year old. But regardless, it's just wildly well, inconsistent, you know, like, like the character doesn't have like she's not a real character because her personality traits are so wildly inconsistent based on whatever they need them to be for the for the joke. And that's the same with Brighton, you know. Yeah, his his are a little more consistent because like they kind of just lean into like he's Richie Rich, (laughs) you know, like I was going to say, we've said this before. They initially didn't um, know what to do with him. So they were using him to just be like joke machine when needed. But then they really found his lane, which is actually kind of pathetic rich kid who who's actually very sad and, you know, actually is very needy, which worked. They, they They figured it out and then. They landed on it, and that's how Brighton's been for a couple years, and it's been great. Like, we love yeah, it. Broken, but- broken, sad, Richie Rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, um, I think they just maybe haven't – they haven't found it with Maggie because, in reality, they haven't really you tried. You mean with Gracie. Because they, sorry, with Gracie. Yeah, because they don't, they don't spend that much time with her, right? So, yeah. so they've never needed to, like, flesh out this person. Um, yeah. But, so – Gracie saves the day because of mm-hmm. cues that she has learned from Fran and all is well. Um, and the episode ends with a button that is uh, Cece is on the phone with somebody and she's like, no, you don't have to thank me. Just finish up the hour and send him home. And then we get to Sylvia's apartment and we see that Niles is giving her a back massage and she's literally like naked under a towel. And then she just goes, you know what? Let's lose the sheet. I'm not shy. <laughs> and meaning that Niles now is going to be looking at her and massaging her naked body. <laughs> and Niles and the actor, like uh, Daniel Davies, just breaks the fourth wall completely and looks at the camera in complete abject horror. <laughs> and then we have like a button on the button, which is now he's massaging Morty. But like, as usual, we don't see Morty's face. Like his back is to the yeah. camera. And then he, Morty goes, you know, Let's take it all off. I'm not embarrassed. But then it clearly, he clearly means his hair. So then he takes off his toupee and Niles has to start massaging his bald head. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like the silly, the silly <laughs> end so of this episode. So yeah, silly. So what a bunch of silly gooses. A very so silly. silly episode. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, and then that brings us to segments. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. I loved the the joke and also the just the general idea that Mr. Sheffield had left a trap for Fran with the Victor Victoria tickets because mm-hmm. uh, and, and then that she fell for it that she you know she'd be like oh, movie yes. tickets <laughs> um, and I really liked this one line that we didn't mention earlier where uh, when Mr. Sheffield asked Fran like what happened at the retirement home. I, mm-hmm. I wish I had written down the line. I completely forgot. But like the sentence that she says is in its in and of itself one of the funniest things I've ever heard on the nanny. She goes, Well, um, a man with a with a toe for a thumb died in front of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just like so it was such a funny delivery and such a absurd line. Uh I really liked a lot of Bette Midler's lines I thought were she had some great zingers. Uh she said, uh she tells Fran, like, I love your accent. And Fran's like, I owe it all to Queens. And Bette Midler goes, same with me in my career, <laughs> which is really funny. Yes. And then <laughs> and then she also goes, um, uh, we're not just here to clean up the parks. We're going to get all the trash out of the city. I did my part. I moved to L.A. <laughs> like, it's yes. just so funny. <laughs> yes, um, a very, like, um, oh, my gosh. Like, a, she has a very, like, burlesque artist, um, you know, sensibility in terms of like the the jokes and the the style of comedy it was very vaudeville you know um yes. and then and then niles when they're doing the chase niles is like miss he's wearing that big dress and he's like i'm your biggest fan and she goes well that's a shocker <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> she goes that whole like no shock there or something like that <laughs> yeah i also really liked the vowel line um she goes, uh, my parents were fine when I gave up my music career after seven years of lessons. And Fran goes, yeah, but Val, you knew you were never going to be great at playing the triangle, <laughs> which yeah. I love that she took seven years of triangle lessons. Uh, and also like the way that Fran says it, it's not like, oh, you know, you're an idiot for saying that. It's almost the way you, she said it so earnestly and the way you would if it was like the violin. <laughs> yeah. Like, you yeah. know, you were good at the triangle, but you were never going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh, my favorites. Uh-huh. Um, and then in terms of Yiddish, we, we got uh, Kibbutz and Bubby all in one yep. line. Uh, kibbutz, yep. as we've talked about in previous episodes, is, is a commune uh, in Israel. Uh, a, com- a like commune type life, and Bubby, it's like a it's like a Yiddish word for grandmother. And then for nanny trivia, so basically, as you referenced just a little earlier, Bette Midler, um, she makes several references and jokes in this episode about how her career was founded on basically gay men, and mm-hmm. um, like that's her core group. And you know, I had always kind of like 
known that a little to the extent that like, you know, a lot of actresses who got their start in Broadway kind of have that um, cult following, um, you know, like Jude, there's Judy Garland and Barbara Streisand and that's kind of just like a thing. But I didn't really know much about Bette Midler's like rise to fame or where, where she came from or anything like that. So um, I had kind of assumed that she was born and raised in New York City. But it turns out she was born and raised in Hawaii and she was born in 1945, Ooh. even though uh, both her parents were from New Jersey. And uh, her father was a painter on a Ooh. naval base and her mother was Colonizers. True, true. It sounds like it sounds like they were, uh, were you know, working for uh, like the naval base system out there. Mm-hmm. Still colonizers, um, but, but go on. For sure, for sure. But you could also say this is its ca- class of capitalism because they were definitely yeah. – um, they were definitely the the worker bees out there. No, absolutely. I mean, I you know you got to blame the U.S. military on occupation, but you know, I, it's just like when Elizabeth and I were there, we just kept driving around, going like, "I want to live here, but I can't." Like, oh yeah, it's <laughs> have, super fucked up. You know, <laughs> I can I can never do. I could never allow myself to do it. But this is interesting. Go on. So, Bette Midler, uh, born and raised in Hawaii, uh, mm-hmm. but um, but and- two Jersey parents working for the Navy, mm-hmm. and. She was like doing a lot of theater and drama in high school and she ended up going to college there, but she dropped out after three semesters and moved to New Mm -hmm. York in 1965. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess I just, you know, in a million years, have you been like, where is Bette Midler born and where did she like go to college? I would not have guessed Hawaii. Uh, No, but that's a fun trivia fact. That might win us some money in a bar sometime in the future in our lives. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um. Remember that movie uh, with that guy on the trivia show? <laughs> yeah, like that movie with the guy on the trivia show. Slumdog Millionaire, Slumdog Millionaire, that's what I meant. Uh, she drops out of college and she moves to New York and she starts doing some off-Broadway stuff initially and she initially, I'm oh, sorry, and then she uh, eventually lands a role in Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway and she does that mm-hmm. for three years from like, you know, something like, you know, 66 to 69. But then this is where it gets kind of interesting and ties into a lot of her jokes and lines and references of this episode. Um, in 1970, she began singing at the Continental Baths, a gay bathhouse uh, in the Ansonia Hotel in New York. It was like the summer of oh. 1970. And during that time, she became close to her piano accompanist, Barry Manilow, who later became mm. her producer and arranger for on her first album. And I also mm-hmm. had no idea that like Bette Midler and Barry Manilow had such a close creative collaboration. I had no idea their, their uh, careers were tied together. Yeah. Um, and um, tied to a gay bathhouse. Nevertheless. Yeah, all of this. And then, yeah, <laughs> he produced her first album. Why, the div- why isn't this uh, a movie? This should be like a, this is, sounds like a, a fascinating, like biopic kind of movie, you know? I know it really does. Right. Um, I would and- cast uh, Ross from Friends as Barry Manilow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Lady Gaga as Bette Midler. And Lady Gaga as Bette Midler. Yep. You read my mind. But- so um, he – well, he produced her first album, which was The Divine Miss M in 1972. And it was at the Continental Baths that she built up her core following. Uh, so she really – when she keeps making these jokes, like, yeah, like my my career also founded in Queens. Like that yeah. is real reference. And yeah. um, in the late 1990s, during the release of her album called Bathhouse Betty – uh, she oh, no. she commented on her time there and, and she basically said, like, you know, despite the way things turned out, like, 
it, with the AIDS crisis, she's like, I'm very proud of those days. Um, and I feel like I was at the forefront of the gay liberation movement and I hope I did my part to help it move forward. Um, so mm. I wear the bathhouse Betty label with pride. And, you know, that's a reference to the fact that, um, a lot of those bathhouses closed down and ended up getting like a very different type of reputation in the eighties and after the eighties because of that. And they became like a place of fear and, and a lot of, I'm sure, you know, um, fear mongering and, and homophobia, but, um, you know, she, she has a lot of pride and love for, I think that whole, um, world. Um, and I just, you know, I had no idea, like what a, what an interesting interesting. backstory. I just wanted to add to the trivia section of our podcast that we forgot to mention the title, you bet your life is based on, uh, an old radio and TV game show hosted by Groucho Marx called you bet your life. Um, so that was that. That was that. Uh-huh. What that is a reference to, and then also, uh, as I usually do, uh, because I'm, I'm nothing if not inconsistent. Uh, this episode was written by Frank Lombardi, uh, who's written a bunch of zingers before, and Dorothy Lyman directed it, as she will for the remainder of the season, because I believe yep. she is the the director of the show now. And, and never um, misses a week. What a tireless schedule that must be. I know, right? You know? Um, oh, and also, I was going to say that uh, another bit of trivia is that uh, Bette Midler really was the chair of the New York Restoration Project. So so her being on this episode oh. and um, and promoting That's it a real was like thing? a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, neat. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and this is gonna be there's uh, only three left we're not done oh the friend of the relate to i'm bet midler baby (laughs) yeah because you're a you're a caddy caddy diva yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i was gonna say i i related to the friend because i love famous people and i would love it i would just like love to see you know a famous person in my house (laughs) 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 i would no shame. Um, I'm Niles because I am uh, perpetually humiliated by uh, one particular woman, Toria. Uh, hey, <laughs> I'm not going to confirm or deny. <laughs> uh, I mean, I did make you. I did make you serve as the the dummy for my evening gown dress while I hummed it mm-hmm. just earlier this week. But you and know, you kept jabbing me with the pins and being like, "Oops!" But like, you know, two, three times, okay, sixteen. And then I did send you to massage my mother. <laughs> um, but okay, that is an episode. Um, yes, it was again easy breezy fun. We, yes. you were about to say, I think that we're approaching our one hundo app. We're going to be somewhere near it. I still haven't done the math. We might already be past it. Uh, There's only three episodes left in the season. I know that. But I have no idea how many episodes we've done. We got to count them. I'm going to count them after this. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count how many episodes we've done. Oh, why don't we just have an intern already? (laughs) Um, Okay, but everybody, I hope you have a great week. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find us at Oh Mr. Chef Pod on all the things. Actually, if you happen to know how many episodes this is, please, please uh, reach out to us on Oh Mr. Chef Pod and tell us, uh, hey, dum-dums, you've done 99 and the next one's going to be 100 and you better do something cool. By the and time probably, they hear this, though, probably, it'll be too late. It'll be too late. <laughs> it's like, All right, you know, I'm going to go do some math. We're, we're living in interstellar. They're, you know, we're in two different times. <laughs> I mean, not really. We're so behind on episodes. Like, we're only one week ahead of ourselves. 
No, don't tell them our secrets. They need to know. They need to think we have it under control. Uh, All right, everybody. Thanks again. Goodbye. Goodbye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine.